I mean, I think one of the things that's just so challenging for so many organizations is to, is, you know, the number of plates that they're spinning, that this is really another piece. I mean, here they're working to fundraise, they're working to actually provide the service or do the deep work that they exist to, to do and achieve the outcomes they're trying to achieve. Then in the middle of it all, they're they're really tasked with analyzing and and um, analyzing their data and measuring their effectiveness and really negotiating with an entire board of directors. You know what those metrics are and what um, you know what the finish line looks like. And I mean, though, just you know, in addition to just um, you know compliance, which is massive uh, and and other things that I'm not even thinking of the HR concerns and you know um, that uh, I, I think that we often think that oh yeah it's a nonprofit so it's kind of touchy-feely and they're trying to help people and yeah I, I believe that a really good a really robust nonprofit especially a social service organization you're is, um, like an incredibly uh, complex machine, like way more than I think we give credit. Welcome to season three of Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin McCord. Group Thinkers is the podcast for nonprofit marketers brought to you by RKD Group, the leading marketing and analytics company serving the nonprofit community. Um, This is, in fact, the last episode of the third season of Group Thinkers, and uh, we made it. Right, we, we got here. Uh, so here we are, last episode of the third season, and and you know throughout the last uh, ten or so weeks, ten or so episodes, we've heard from some amazing folks. Right, Asha Curran from Giving Tuesday, uh, Nick Ellinger, Ryan Berman, Ben LeBay, Eric Bosdorp, some truly incredible people that are invested in innovating the nonprofit space. And and there's, you know, there's an amazing commonality with all of our guests. Yes, uh, there's a commonality in that they all work in the nonprofit space, but there's there's deeper commonalities. Um, Each of them has been wildly successful, I would argue, uh, in making a valuable contribution to marketing. Uh, But more than that, each one has struck out. Each one at some point, and, and many times you'll hear folks share on group thinkers about uh, their journey and how their journey has gotten them to today. And, and sometimes they, they share where they fell on their face, uh, where they failed. And in, in thinking about how to introduce this episode's guest, you know, last episode of the third season, I began to think about uh, my own failures and, and one failure in particular. It's um, from early in my career, and, and I learned a tremendous lesson in failure. Um, I, I was working in a, a communications and marketing role at the time, and uh, I distributed a press release. And in the distribution, I used a particular phrase that changed the meaning of the release. Now, depending on where you are in your own career, you might feel that differently, right? Um, the, the, the phrase that I used, or, or really, really just one word, the one word that I used was just one word. But that particular word changed the whole meaning of an important press release and it carried a meaning that strategically didn't align with the way that the release was crafted or, or put out. So, so it was a failure. Um, and, and, and honestly, it was a big failure. Uh, hours after having distributed the release, you know, I felt like everything was good. We're excited. We got this release sent out news is out about this particular, um, change that was happening, the company that I was at at the time, and, and my phone rang, and it was a number that I did not recognize. And uh, and I answered the phone, and it was um, the president of the company. He just happened to be on vacation in Cabo and thought it was an opportune time to call me 
and he uh, he he let me know the uh, the failure that I had uh, that I had uh, experienced. Um, he was not so kindly letting me know that my decision, that the particular phrase that I had used. Uh, had consequences, and, and it truly wasn't a pleasant conversation. I remember walking outside of uh, my wife and my apartment at the time uh, because um, how he was sharing it was so loud that I didn't want to be in the same room as other people. So I was standing ultimately in a parking lot, um, learning about my failure. Um, now you know it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pleasant conversation, but. But the point of the matter is it's one that I've learned from, not because of the chiding that took place afterwards. Um, the failure, the mistake, the, the choice, it, it's one that I've learned from. And that particular experience has made me far more thoughtful in word choice and in the impact of the words that we use. And, you know, it's funny, it's, it's one of the many failures that, that I've had and we all have failures. And, and that to me feels like a wonderful introduction to my guest on this episode. Kate Robinson is a filmmaker and a storyteller, but, but most notably, she's the creator of Failing Forward on the Road to Social Impact. It's a, a documentary. Uh, where Kate and her team chronicle an organization's process to scale, process to grow. And in particular, in this short film, they look at how the organization invests in identifying and learning from their failures along the way. It's a truly unique short film uh, that that you can check out. By the way, it's available to, to stream on the web. You just go to nonprofitsfailingforward.org and you can watch the film. So we'll talk more about it on the other side of the interview. Uh, and so for now, here's Kate Robinson on Group Thinkers. Well, thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. Um, really interesting topic and conversation and guest that I have today. Uh, Kate Robinson, welcome to Group Thinkers. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to speak with you about uh, your most recent project, um, you know, Failing Forward, but also some other projects that you've been working on and uh, and your role in the nonprofit marketing space, you're, you're the first, uh, you know, first filmographer, first documentarian, first person that's coming through the lens of, uh, of documenting and chronicling what nonprofits that we've had the chance to speak to. So, uh, so I'm, I'm really thrilled to, to be able to dig in today on, uh, on your work. Uh, but at the beginning, uh, I, I always like to start by having our guest on Group Thinkers talk about their journey and how they came into the nonprofit space. And, uh, and so we'd love it if you would just maybe start with, with sharing your path. How did you get here? Well, I'll take you way, way back to, to my, my college days. I went to a great school called the Johnston College at the University of Redlands where you get to design your major, design the prerequisites for uh, your philosophy degree, essentially. And what, one of the projects that I designed was with a friend, and it was biking through Central America because we were going to figure out how to help network some of the women's organizations throughout Central America or something like that. And it was a uh, humiliating, like really humbling experience because it didn't take long for us to realize that our efforts to bring some kind of great assistance to these organizations were just uh, slightly misguided, not at all well, you know, researched enough. Um, certainly, we did not have anywhere near the expertise, or um, or really, 
uh, resources that we felt like we, you know, we did or that would, would be so helpful. So um, without going into great detail there, I learned, again, some very, I, I, I could say humbling, but I will say like it was, uh, it, they were beyond humbling um, experiences about um, how difficult it can be when you have good intentions and you want to be helpful to actually be helpful to people and how it is, you know, to really listen to what their needs are. And, um, and I think what we found um, in that work was that a cycling through the Sierra Madres when you're not really a cyclist, isn't the easiest thing to do. (laughs) And B, (laughs) big humanitarian uh, efforts when your college students is kind of silly. So anyway, so then I went to work uh, right out of college. I started uh, working with nonprofits and um, I had an experience uh, where I gained very quickly an appreciation for how important it is to have clearly defined goals if you want to determine if you're successful or not. And so I kind of cut my teeth in a family violence organization that was really having a challenge around what is it, what does success look like for us? Like really what, what are the outcomes we're trying to achieve? And, and it, 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 uh, that has stayed with me. Um, when Mm. I, I then started doing policy research in DC, and I had, I had that kind of background and I knew how difficult like program implementation really was on the ground. And I was really interested in the policy piece, but ended up going back into nonprofit program work um, in an effort, again, kind of in a cavalier, again, really kind of overconfident way of like, well, I can do this. You know, I have this experience. I, I, now I understand the policy piece. I'm going to go in and I'm going to really... Um, build, you know, do some logic model work and, and, uh, figure, help these organizations, uh, figure themselves out. And so I started working, um, uh, in that capacity and I became an executive director of a healthcare advocacy organization that I really cared deeply about. And I, I, again, I would realize like it was so incredibly hard to, um, build a logic model that was something that, uh, the board would sign on to and that made sense for us because we were, we really had two goals. The, the main goal was policy change and increasing access to Medicaid. But the, the piece underneath that, which was really what we did well and which was the heart of the work was advocacy and really helping empower people <laughs> who had really no voice legislatively to have a voice and be part of the process. Right. And I think at the time I didn't have the, I just didn't have the experience to say, well, why are we putting on ourselves on the hook for the policy change? Of course, that's the, the ideal, but, but really let's look at this. Let's, let's, let's measure ourselves by the ad, by the, the empowerment piece and not how successful the advocacy is in a policy. I'm sorry. I'm, I feel like I'm getting us into the weeds. And <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No, you can go as deep into the weeds as you want to. I promise you, this is good stuff. Seriously. Kate. Well, I mean, this has been an organic process and it's been 25 years, you know? And so, uh, you know, I, I, uh, uh, from there, I ended up, I really did have a pretty big conflict with the board there. I was very, um, much wanting to be able to measure effectiveness. And I really wanted to put, um, put, you know, make that a priority. I ended up, um, well, and I guess as long as we are in the weeds, I will say at this, at the same time, um, my, my dad actually ended up, um, and we were in different states, but he was in a different state struggling with, um, essentially dying of pancreatic cancer, but not being able to access the healthcare that he needed. He had, he had uh, mm-hmm. lost his job because he was ill and then wasn't able to get uh, access to the Medicaid program. And anyway, the point is, is that I almost wasn't able to say goodbye to him because uh, you know, he didn't have access to the, the kinds of yeah. care he needed. And, um, and, and that really, that's what 
it, it gave me a sense of urgency, essentially. And I mean, I think death mm. everything into perspective really quickly around, um, you know, what, what am I doing here? And, and what is, what is going to be, um, you know, the value of, of my being in, in this, you know, community. And, and I realized, okay, I need to resign and, um, think through this. And, and I found out about social solutions, which was a tiny little baby company at the time and was, um, do, I thought doing exactly what, um, could be really helpful to so many organizations, building a software where you could really measure effectiveness in the software and also manage clients and that kind of thing. And so I started working for social solutions and was really excited to be just one of the early folks kind of helping to build that company. And they were kind enough to allow me to create a position where I was really able to learn from some of the organizations that were using the software well, some mm. of the organizations that were really dedicated to, to, to measuring effectiveness and, and figuring it out. And and it was really through that work that I, my brother is the filmmaker. So I would come home Christmases and I'd tell him about what I was learning and the white papers I was publishing. And he was like, you know, you really should make a film about this. Like this is. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I can't take credit, you know, for the filmic that, that piece of it was, is, is really, it's just very lucky that that's his that's his expertise and we're close and uh, we have a younger brother and a younger sister, but um, uh, you know, I've always looked up to my older brother and I, I love his uh, film work. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's try to figure this out. Like how can we actually yeah. do? That? And so that real, that was, so that was, you know, 2009, 2010 and we started making saving philanthropy and um, and between then and now I've done a lot of consulting work and um and really trying to kind of share what I'm learning and continue to learn and continue to this process. And that was really the, what led me to producing again with my brother failing forward on the road to social. Yeah. <laughs> how, I mean, but seriously, how great is it that, that you have, you know, you've got a, a family of resources around you. Um, you know, there's so many times as, as someone who's now been on the agency side for, for eight years that, uh, that I've had a conversation that are more in the vein of, geez, we should have someone documenting this because it feels like a sitcom, less a, less a documentary. Uh -huh. So, uh, but no, how, how great is that? But here's the thing. And, and, uh, and, you know, as, as a podcast host, I'm, I'm definitely not qualified to, um, to offer a uh, counsel, but I, I get to hear people's stories and, uh, and pair it back to them, things that I observe and hear it in it. And I love that you're talking about, and it still comes out as you're talking about today, but you're talking about that from the get go, like even from college, you had, um, this ambition and sense of purpose. And you said cavalier spirit that's balanced with the humbling aspect of wanting to measure effectiveness. And, you know, we're, geez, we're at the time that we're recording this, we're a week or so out from the association, uh, the ANA nonprofit federation conference in Chicago. And the keynote speaker there was, was talking about purpose and we've been talking about purpose for, for so long. And so I love that you still have that ambition and that purpose and that spirit. It sounds like to change the world or to change your world around you. And that's, that has to be a part of the drive, uh, even in the projects that you're working on now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely. And I think, you know, sometimes it can be, I think when I hear people talk about purpose, I always get, um, a little frustrated because I feel like for me, it hasn't been, you know, a singular clear thing. I mean, mm -hmm. changing the world. Sure. Um, but in terms of just being like specific in terms of what, what I want the meaning of my life to be, or, you know, what the purpose is, it's, it, I feel like it's such a moving target. Uh, I mean, it all kind of comes around the, the circles around the same kind of a thing, I guess. 
But I mean, to be really honest with you, I still, I feel like it's just, I wish that was more clear to me. I think that this is more common, this is editorial on my part, but I think it's more common among those that work that are connected in some way to the nonprofit space to, and maybe you don't have it realized, but to have ambition and drive that's connected to purpose versus our peers and colleagues that are in the pure commercial space. And, and it comes out in your voice that, that you, you have a drive, uh, for the, the work that you're doing and the change that you can make in the nonprofit space. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I think so much of what fuels me, I guess, is I, I really want to help people. I, I think especially, um, folks, I mean, if it's just so profound to me, the, the, how, how capable we are of helping each other how incredibly important it is that we do that, how reliant we are on each other for survival. And, um, and I love, I mean, this is, that is what I love about being alive and being human is, um, you know, that we can share things, resources or ideas and, um, and, and services to, to truly, um, help each other. And, and I guess that's where, yeah, all of this kind of comes from for me is not, um, I'm not like, you know, I wouldn't call myself a data geek or, or someone, you know, I do, I, I, I love information about, yeah, what's going to be the most effective way to help, you know, this particular Mm -hmm. person, this group of people. Um, to me, it's kind of really about efficiency as opposed to, um, you know, like, oh, it should be the right way or, you know, this is uh-huh. really need to make sure, you know, this or that, um, that we're dotting I's or crossing T's for some arbitrary reason. It, I, yeah, I mean, and I, I guess part of it, I, I should say, I grew up with parents who were civil rights activists who, who really instilled uh, deeply how important it is to speak up for um, people and to uh, how important it is to be civically engaged and involved. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, that's where it's, it is always such a balance and challenging for me because I do, I want to celebrate the sector. I want to celebrate anyone who has the desire and the initiative to go out and really try to help people like, more power to you. However, having that balanced with measuring effectiveness and making sure uh-huh. you're not causing harm becomes crucial. And that's where I, it's, uh-huh. it's, a real, it's a really hard tension to hold because I think that there's just so much of the sector that gets excited about an idea or, or really thinks, well, obviously this is going to be something that's helpful. And it turns out that no, there's, there's a, uh, you know, pieces of it that are actually harmful. And of course you didn't mean that, but I think that's where I get really, um, uh, yeah, passionate, I guess. So that feels, yeah. feels very much part of the purpose for me. So so let's talk a little bit about Failing Forward because this spills into the the film itself. Um, so, so you mentioned that, you know, you were on staff with the organization and, and, you know, conversations with your brother were a part of the origin of the project. Um, so, but it, it, the film itself, and we want everyone to, to be able to, um, we want everyone to go see it. We want everyone to, to pull up the, uh, the film site and, um, connect in and, and be able to watch it. So I don't want to give away, uh, a lot of the learnings or, or, you know, spoilers out of it because there's a lot to take away, but it's interesting because there's this idea of the topic of failing and how, uh, your team chronicled the 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 failing uh, and the learnings of LifeWorks to get them um, to a place of better efficiency. What did that feel like as you were making it? Was the the team at LifeWorks were they comfortable 
in talking about failure? Was it something that you needed to get on the other side of and then use more of a uh, let's let's go back and think about this um, perspective? How did you how did you move that project forward with the organization itself? I love your question. So I'm going to start with, well, first of all, I don't know what you meant. I wasn't on staff there. Um, and when, when I started making Feeling Forward, I was just working for myself as a consultant. And um, right after producing Saving Philanthropy, I started realizing that we had really missed the boat in not mentioning or looking at the culture of the organizations we profile in Saving Philanthropy, that the culture uh, of the organizations had everything to do with their ability to internally evaluate their programs. And that was something that really started to become clear to me, but I hadn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to fix it, obviously. And I thought, well, this is the next film I have to make, right? How does culture inform internal evaluation? And it literally took me five years consulting and looking and looking and and just trying to find an organization that would be willing to really talk about what learning culture looked like and the inherent kind of failures and iteration that have to happen there. And I was so thrilled that in 2016, I was at a conference here in Austin put on by Good Measure, which is a group of funders working to promote and fund internal evaluation. I was at the conference and Liz Schoenfeld, Dr. Liz Schoenfeld from LifeWorks and Wendy Barnell um, came up to me afterwards and we had, we, we knew each other. Um, and I said to them, I am so excited to read, to have read your, the white paper that you just produced. It's so interesting. You have all this great data about the population you're serving. And so much of it has incredible public policy implications. You're essentially redefining this group of, uh, um, of opportunity youth who are transitioning out of foster care and saying these are different, these people need a different definition than just at-risk youth, right? And this policy paper makes this great point. So I was telling them this, wow, I really love it. And they were like, Kate, that's nothing, nothing compared to what we're doing right now. And we just figured out why our workforce program was failing so badly. And we, we figured out that the kids that were in it had pretty significant mental health issues and that we needed to be able to uh, design a workforce program that would 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 um, be appropriate for people with mental health issues. And we're doing it, and we figured it out. And I was like, I got goosebumps, and I said, "This is the mm. next bill." <laughs> like, but so it wasn't. So to answer your question, really, it wasn't me going to them and saying. Um, hey, I uh, let me try to talk you into talking about your failure. They were enthusiastic about we have identified, you know, this failure and why it's happening. We were able to hypothesize about what a good change might be and we're starting to implement it. And I was so I was just so excited by their um, their excitement. And I thought, wait a second, who is your executive director and who's on your board that like you guys are so enthusiastic about this because right yeah and and so i went um literally a few days later and talked to susan mcdowell the executive director of lifeworks and i could not have been more blown away by how transparent candid um just and and thoughtful she was about this work and willing to go on the journey of sure yes i think this would be valuable for other organizations to see Come on in. You can film it. We'll talk about it. We'll be, we'll be as candid as and as honest and transparent as we could possibly be with you, um, because that's going to be helpful to the sector. And even when I came to her uh, down the road, it was we had probably been working for about six months when I said, "I think I have the title for the film, and I want to call it Failing Forward." I really expected her to say, uh, "No, <laughs> I'm not going to be in a film." You know, failing forward. Right. And or with failure in the title. And she, she, there was just no hesitation. She was like, I get it. Failing forward on the road to social impact is what we're doing. That is, that is, you know, our, our journey. And, um, and so I, I feel really lucky, uh, that I've gotten to work with them and, and they have continued by the way, to, um, to revamp programs in the organization, just like they did with the workforce program based on the data 
that they're getting um, and, and understanding better what their clients need. This episode of Group Thinkers is brought to you by the RKD Group blog. You might be listening on a mobile device right now, and if so, you can go ahead and open up a browser window and visit rkdgroup.com slash blog. When you get there, you're going to find all sorts of resources tackling issues that are current in the nonprofit marketing space. There's channel-specific resources focused on direct mail, digital, multi-channel, and even omni-channel. There's also hot topics like GDPR, mid-level, digital media, look-back windows, and more. It's all over at rkdgroup.com slash blog. And now, back to Group Thinkers. Yeah, it's, it's such a good uh, insight into you know an organization that is enlightened um, or woke, uh, you know, that that they have been able to put their finger on how to leverage data to create change, right? And, you know, just, I, I, I think about, there was a, a article on the Harvard Business Review in February of this past year. It wasn't about nonprofits specifically, but it talked about, um, you know, organizations as a whole and the number of organizations that are uh, self-reporting as being data-driven is continuing to decrease. And in this age of where we can measure more things than ever, that many of us are shying away from calling ourselves data-driven is a really frightening thing. And so that's a part of what I loved about it was that it was so refreshing to see an organization that is, that is working on their work and working on the, you know, in the work at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... But so, what would you say uh, without you know? And again, we want everyone to to go to nonprofitsfailingforward.org, um, take in the film there, and and be able to draw their own conclusions. But for the the group thinkers listeners, um, what do you think that nonprofit marketers uh, and leaders can take away from the film? Well, I think that. Um I mean, I think one of the things that's just so challenging for so many organizations is to, is, you know, the number of plates that they're spinning, that this is really another piece. I mean, here they're working to fundraise, they're working to actually provide the service or do the deep work that they exist to, to do and achieve the outcomes they're trying to achieve. But then in the middle of it all, they're, they're really tasked with analyzing and, and um, analyzing their data and measuring their effectiveness and really negotiating with an entire board of directors, you know, what those metrics are and what, um, you know, what the finish line looks like. And I mean, the, the, just, you know, in addition to just, um, you know, compliance, which is, massive uh, and and other things that I'm not even thinking of the HR concerns and you know um, that uh, I, I think that we often think that oh yeah it's a nonprofit so it's kind of touchy-feely and they're trying to help people and yeah I, I believe that a really good a really robust nonprofit especially a social service organization you're is, um, like an incredibly uh, complex machine, like way more than I think we mm-hmm. give credit, uh, for. And, uh, and just to appreciate that, um, there's an enormous amount of nuance and, um, and work. I think that just goes into being able to do that work really well. And I guess as a whole society, I feel like we just don't value, uh, in the right way, what that takes. Again, if you're, if you're marrying the, uh, desire to help people and a nice model for helping someone with actually measuring if it's working, you're, and raising money to do it all, you're, you're a rocket scientist. Like you should have that. (laughs) True. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that is, it's such a great takeaway. I, I just, I found the, the piece rather refreshing. Um, just, I'm and so it is, it's one of that. those, well, well, just to be able to take a step back for a moment. And that's where, you know, I think that organizations of all sizes could 
could use that because you know while much of it's focused on the program side you know i think for uh those even on the fundraising side that that being reflective on your as you know even from the beginning of our conversation being reflective on your purpose why you're doing something and how you can do it better uh can refuel you it can renew you it can recharge you and and i think that that's um certainly in the 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 time and space that we're in from a fundraising perspective you know here we are yesterday the fundraising effectiveness project posted their um their the latest quarterly report which basically said everything's down right so acquisition is down year over year and Retention continues to be a challenge, and those folks that uh, over the last couple of years have been giving large gifts haven't showed up to rescue us yet this year. And so it can be um, overwhelming from the top or from the outside, and then many times the grind of the inside can be overwhelming. So it's it's important for people to stop and reflect and look at how um, how we determine what success looks like and be able to respond to how we determine what success looks like. And I think that that's one of the things that the project does. Uh, why don't you share a little bit about uh, Saving Philanthropy as well? You, you know, you mentioned the other uh, film project that, that you and the team have worked on. Share a little bit about that. Well, Saving Philanthropy um, started out, we it, probably in 2009, we really wanted to be able to, uh, profile organizations that were doing this work of measuring effectiveness really well and um, and really just kind of ask the question like how are they doing it and you know how how might one be able to extrapolate out um, and and apply this to their programming and I, I think we did that really well it profiles two organizations two very different organizations one that sort of started with a research focus um, and 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 grew around that, and one that had to kind of fix the plane while it was in the air flying, um, mm-hmm. and come up with more clarity around you know what success looked like for their clients, and um, and it really kind of goes through how they um, you know the, their models, um, the data that they collect, and the type of evaluation that they that they did, but. As I mentioned, I realized quickly after finalizing the film in 2011 um, and releasing it that we had failed to address uh, culture and the culture of the organization and how that uh, fueled and and was and was really um, inseparable from their ability to to manage the outcomes and really measure effectiveness. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that I, I'm really proud of that film and I hope people will, that film is also, Saving Philanthropy is also on nonprofitsfailingforward.org and available to see. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, one of the things, one of the things that has been so um, humbling about this process is really appreciating well, sorry, I've totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love it. I'm like, uh, I'm like um, I, I'm so stuck on, I, I, uh, you were just saying this, like how, how we determine what success looks like. And yeah. um, what I was going to say, I was bringing it back around. I was, uh, um, oh, shoot. Let me let me see here. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. I think uh well, let me go here that um so so while I'm really proud of saving philanthropy, one of the mm-hmm. things that we didn't show at all was, you know, the amount of just resource and time and energy and patience and comfort with ambiguity and comfort with um, failure, essentially, it took for both the organizations that are profiled to kind of get to a place where they really, truly were measuring effectiveness. And that yeah. for both of them, mm-hmm. as 
different as they are. Yeah, it's it is it's really profound because again, I think this goes back to that we don't value that we don't value what the nonprofit sector does enough because we're not we're just thinking oh you give the money and then they help the people instead of like no there's all of this intricate kind of work and delicate balance that has to happen in order to do that really effectively and and that um, once we really drill down and start to see the incredible balancing act and the rigor that has to be um, you know dedicated to uh, and the resources that it takes to 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 really measure effectiveness well and while you're doing the work is is mind-boggling. And because mm-hmm. it's organizational, I mean, we're talking about a group of people. You look at Congress, right. people who get, people, we have trouble as people getting stuff done. So it it's pretty incredible to think like, these are people, the board members aren't getting paid, right? They're even, you know, helping fundraise and helping. They, these are just individuals in the community who are, um, really working together to just try to figure out how to help people. And, and I think, um, yeah, I just think that, that, that for me, so much of it goes back to like this expectation that, that if you just give money, then the problem will get solved is crazy. And we've got to get over it. It is so much more challenging than that. And that's never, that's not going to help us get anywhere. And that the money is important. We absolutely need the money and we need time and resources to do this work well. But doing the work well is is so different than just providing services. And, and that that does take, I think, definitely stepping back and reflecting and inquiring and analyzing. And if, if you're an organization that isn't doing that, the likelihood that you're actually really benefiting people is very slim and mm-hmm. that that's where it gets so tricky because I think when we're raising money we want it to seem really one-to-one or easy like give us the money and this thing will happen or give us the money and yes. we'll be able to do this amazing ambitious thing that's totally no way we could do that with this amount of money and I get it I mean I, I do that myself and I, I work on that every day when I'm fundraising to to try to be more realistic I mean, one of the pieces that I've been so inspired by is how how many funders I've met through Making Failing Forward who do seem, and nationally, and really big foundations too, program officers who seem very committed to learning and understanding what the problem is that this grant is trying to solve, and really what are we going to learn? And I think if there's any message I could give the whole sector is that I think we all want to learn way more than we realize that we want to learn what works and that everyone thinks, Oh, I got to sell this outcome or I need to fund this shiny thing. And really, if we take a step back, it's really like, no, we really do care about people. We want to learn what helps this group of people. And so um, that does have some weight, but you really have to, it's almost like the elephant in the room. I feel like you really have to be willing to say, well, we didn't make the outcomes that we wanted, but here's what we learned. And this is really valuable and here's why. And then, you know, on the funding side, it's kind of the same piece. Like, well, what did, you know, be asking, what did you learn from this? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, now more than ever, I mean, my goodness, we're, you know, right now we are still ahead of, but moving into what, you know, many anticipate to be, um, one of the biggest political fundraising seasons on record. Right. And, and that in and of itself of how people are going to be sewing into that work is going to change the way, or it couples with other changes that are taking place on the nonprofit side on the heels of, like I said, the fundraising effectiveness report and, you know, all the other external factors that we've seen in the last 12 to 18 months, if not longer than that, you know, even if you just go back to a year ago with, you know, with, um, the, the tax laws coming into place and the shifts and changes in the economy in, in December of 2018 and the government shut down and how all of those things created external factors that ultimately impacted 
the internal perception for many people that donate on a mass scale. Uh, and, and now you look ahead. And so being reflective now and, and also um, not just being reflective on where we can learn from where, you know, we failed in the past, but having that reflection actually fuel being authentic in showcasing impacts going forward we're at a point to where we've got to, you can't just look at the elephant in the room anymore. We actually have to, to the extent that we can put a bit in the elephant's mouth and or a saddle on its back and or guide or work with the elephant. Like we can't ignore the elephant anymore because we're at, in some ways we're at a crossroads as the nonprofit sector, as we look forward into the next, you know, two to three years. I totally agree with you, 100%. I think we're definitely at a crossroads, and if we keep ignoring the elephant, it's we 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 will cause enormous harm. And 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 it and it's catastrophic. The potential is catastrophic. I just I do I really yeah. agree. I feel like we we have got to start working with the elephant in the room. And I'd like to propose that one first step of that is something that's totally counterintuitive which is to slow down. Like, mm-hmm. I think we are nearing a crisis, and I feel like if we don't really find ways to slow ourselves down and take time for the type of reflection that's necessary to really articulate the elephant in the room and to, um, to really demand the time and space for the kind of inquiry that has to happen to um, to, to even do things like define what success looks like really well, let alone figure out what metrics are necessary to know if you're getting there. I mean, if you mm. take that step back and really that, that takes time and we're just all moving so fast right now. And I don't yeah. know a single nonprofit that is ev- where people aren't, you know, working over 40 hours, really just busting their buns to try to help people. And it's like people, if we can just take a breath, step back, really look at the whole problem and where we are in the context, what is the piece of it that we are trying to solve with our work? Like really clearly define that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that I think that, that, um, that, that we can really make strides, but, we, I, it's not going to happen by just, you know, putting it in high gear and jamming the accelerator even further. <laughs> Hyperspeed, right? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so, so what's the, what's the next project on the slate? What's next for, for you, Kate? Well, what I'm excited, I'm super excited about this. I, I really hope that it is, um, a bit of a, um, variety show, talk show, uh, PBS kind of thing um, that's all about the nonprofit sector and just nonprofit effectiveness. And um, and so I'm I'm working on creating that now, and um, that's kind of where I am with it. I really want to be the failure lady, like uh, you know. <laughs> okay. Like, I got, I think it it will be like the nonprofits failing forward. I think embracing failure is so important because it is just part of our work. It we are when we are going to fail if we're getting all the way to impact and to really understand sure. you know what works to help people and I think that has to be okay with everyone and the more we're out there about it then the more it isn't a surprise to funders or a surprise to the public that yes, of course, like right. we're integrating these programs and, and honing um, and making progress. So anyway, I, I, I'd love, I will love it if I can um, reconnect with you, you know, six months from now and say, all right, I'm producing my first in the se- in this series of um, little variety shows that are all about nonprofits failing forward. I can't wait. That is super exciting. And and we'll be watching and listening and paying attention to see uh, how it comes to fruition. Hey, Kate, as we, as we wrap up our chat today, um, how can folks connect with you? I mean, we've talked about the website, nonprofitsfillingforward.org. Where else can they find you online? How can they, 
get connected to be able to learn from and also share their failures. Yeah, I would love to have people share their failures and what they're learning. Um, absolutely love to hear from everyone. Um, my The email is kate at nonprofits failing forward. I am on um, Twitter and LinkedIn and uh uh, you can tell I'm real, my social media, um, um, uh, let's see, Twitter, LinkedIn, oh, Instagram. Yes. Um, but all those links are on the website at nonprofits failing forward. And we have a YouTube page where we will be posting three minute, um, little episodic videos pretty soon that you can access all of that at nonprofits failing forward.org. Awesome. Very, very cool. Kate, thanks so much for hanging out today. And, uh, for the really refreshing chat and for the work that you and the team have done and, and continue to do. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your work and for having me. Okay, so there's the chat with Kate. Uh, Kate shared in the interview that the purpose behind the project was to open dialogue about mistakes, right? And to, to be better because of missteps and, or in other words, to fail forward. And before the, before the interview, I was sharing about the blunder I made early in my career on a press release. And, you know, there are lessons and sub-lessons that have come from that experience. Uh, the failure changed the way that I think about words and, and the use of words. The failure became a learning which has since been applied in my career over and over and over. And uh, as we wrap this third season of Group Thinkers and carry our way into 2020, I feel like it's an important lesson for us as marketers. Um, it's an important way for us to put a bow on this this season. You know, the uh, the great inventor Thomas Edison put it best when he said, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Um, failure is inevitable. And, uh, and in the nonprofit space, certainly in the climate that we're in, we're going to see and experience missteps and failures. And that's a part of the beauty of the speed in which we can market now is that we can learn from those failures, learn from those missteps, course correct, and grow from them. Um, so I, I hope that each of us can find ways to apply this lesson to our teams, to our marketing efforts to fail fast and to ultimately fail forward. So that's it for season three. Uh, thank you for coming alongside us uh, as we go through uh, this third season, as we've been through this third season. Uh, thank you so much for, you know, choosing to um, have this podcast be a part of the things that you listen to. And uh, we're going to take a pause for a few weeks. Uh, we'll be back in just a few weeks with our fourth season of Group Thinkers. Already have some incredible guests lined up to continue to challenge how we think about uh, nonprofit marketing and to see innovation happening in the space. Uh, we'll continue to have dialogue on Twitter and Instagram in between now and then. So hit us up at Group Thinkers at both of those. And uh, until then, I'm Justin McCord and we'll see you down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.